we started in a message called a different posture to prayer last week. And I was really, really grateful that um, the message last week, it, it really sparked a fire in many of you. I know that. It sparked a fire in many of you um, for a more diligent um, focus on your prayer life and, and for you to really um, embrace, embrace your God-given authority. I even heard a couple stories from, from people in the audience today that ended up sharing the message just in their own mouth to people when they went out for dinner or for lunch or something like that. And I believe that's really good. I believe that when we share what we've heard, when we share a truth, whether it's T.D. Jakes or if it's me or who, wherever you hear truth from Scripture, when you share it, when you actually do that, I believe it solidifies that message in you. Um, I think that faith, or at least I don't think, I know, faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the Word of God. And so when you share the word of God after you've heard it, right, I think there's more to, um, sometimes I feel like we can walk into church, we can hear a message, and then we just have no desire at all to practice it. When you share it with somebody else, it solidifies and concretes um, that what's happened in you during the week. And so I want you to do that. Um, and, and again, welcome to those that are online. I, I know there's been a lot of response that way. I'm going to fly through, and those that are new today, um, I apologize for how speedily I will go through the next uh, 10 minutes because there's a lot of content today. Like I said, 21 passages of Scripture. I'm going to fly through what we went through last week. Um, but I need everybody engaged so we can move right on through it because we talked about all week long, and, 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 and for me, just rehashing it, our authority in Jesus. You have authority in Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. So it starts out with this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. I'll read it in the Amplified Version. It says, for we are wrestling, we're warring, we're fighting, not with, we're, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, right? But against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of of wickedness in the heavenly or supernatural sphere. Meaning this, we talked it last week, that our battle is not simply with um, a person across from us. Our battle is not simply with um, what, what we go through in the flesh, right? We, we mentioned that there is a battle with our flesh, right? We mentioned that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. The acts of the flesh are what? Obvious, right? Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What I mentioned last week at the beginning of of the sermon is that we have to understand there is a devil, there is a demonic force that's after you from the day that you, what? You commit your life to the Lord. But you also are a flesh man. So, so I guess I can describe it like this because I've, I've heard people, uh, even close people to me, um, mention this stuff about my kids. Lincoln, when he was two years old, didn't want to share with his eight-year-old brother right? He didn't want to share his toys. And I remember vividly just kind of like hearing, oh, well, he has a spirit of covetousness. He doesn't have a spirit of covetousness. He's just a two-year-old that has an inherent flesh that says, this is mine and no one else's. Does that make sense? Like, I don't want us to attribute to Satan that which isn't Satan's. 
We have to attribute what is, right, what Satan can do, with, what, right, as, as far as, as, as consistently lying, and I'm going to show that in a moment. But your, um, your fascination or addiction to caramel macchiatos at Starbucks has nothing to do with Satan. That's your flesh, right? My, my hyper-competitiveness, that's not Satan. That's me just being a jerk and wanting to win all the time, right? That's the flesh, and so we see these two things that, yes, we war not against flesh and blood, but we war with principalities. And this is super important to where we're headed, right? That we said last week that Satan is a real entity, but he is just that. And I'm going to mention this twice in the sermon today. Satan is able to feel. He's able to be perceptive. He can be engaged and he can be deterred because he lacks omniscience. I was talking with Esther last week about that. Like, it was kind of revelation for some of us when we realized, oh, wait a minute, God can know our thoughts, but Satan can't? Satan is a created being, and I'll show you that later. What I want you to understand is that he can be deterred. He can be resisted. He is not all-powerful. His demonic forces, his angels that left heaven, whenever that was, they are not all-powerful. So you have much, say much, much authority. Satan, though, he is above all the most cunning of beings ever made. Not only is he most cunning, I also will say this. He is absolutely 100% relentless. He never stops. Like, he's never, he's never not hungry for your destruction. Like, you can resist him one day, and the next morning you wake up, there he is again, right? He is relentless in his attack against us. Above all, though, he is what? A liar. John chapter 8, verse 44 says this. You belong to your father. This was kind of a reference to someone that Jesus was talking to, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is what? No truth in him. When he lies, I love this, he speaks his native language. Man, what a cut down, <laughs> Right? He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I always say it. If Satan's mouth is open, he's lying. If his mouth is open, he's lying. Remember that, okay? And so what we said with this foundation of, of kind of building this message on, on a, a, a different posture of prayer is that you and me have the ability and we are equipped not only with the Spirit of God inside of us, the union that we have with Jesus, but also the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this, The Word of God is alive. Say alive. <laughs> Say powerful. It's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, exposes our inmost thoughts, right? Our inmost thoughts and desires. And what I said is that when you have the promises of God's word in you, when it is in you, when it has been studied, when it has been applied, and what did we say last week? When it has been spoken. Last week we talked about speaking and how much power there is in this little, this little thing inside you. That when you speak, many times your body aligns up to that. But not only is there power in when you speak the word of God in the present day, in the physical realm, but there is also power in the heavenlies. There is power in that. We, we kind of illustrated this by Romans chapter 10. 
I thought it's the best illustration of declaration and why it sets us apart. It says this, Romans chapter 10, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So it's not just, again, think about this in the heavenlies, it's not just saying, well, I'm a child of God. Inside you're saying this, I'm a child of God and, and Satan can't grab me. No, what we said last week is simply this, that we can speak, right, out of our mouth the truth of God's word, and that actually puts the enemy on alert. I'm trying to not use catchphrases, but I want you to get it. I want you to understand in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, right, it says this, the tongue has the power of what? Life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. How many of you have just ended a relationship by what you spoke before? And how many of you have actually made a relationship go from here to here by what you spoke? Remember the first time she said, I love you, and you didn't know if you did? And you're like, uh, yeah, you too, right? You don't want to say it right back, right? But when you say that, all of a sudden it goes to another level. Your mouth has the power of life and death in it. And so when we speak out is what we said. We have the ability to command I believe we command much more authority than many of us give ourselves um, credit for. We have to believe and confess. Expression, communication, it's everything. We just watched in our country two different, completely different conventions. And, and, and both, both, both sides had vision. And both sides crafted their vision through expression. How someone expresses, that's great that you have a vision. Unless you have the ability, as Dave was even saying, to express that, to speak it out, to put it into practice. It, it, it stops with just a plan or just a dream, as you said, Dave. And so expression and what you do with that is extremely important. We jumped into this idea last week of authority. Yeah, I'm still reviewing. Authority, we said, is delegated power. Delegated power. It's power that's given to someone else by someone who sits in power. Remember, I gave the illustration of driving westbound on Greenway in the middle of the week, and it was 115 degrees out there, and there was an older lady with her hat off going like this because there was a small fender bender over off of 56th Street in Sweetwater, and she's going like this, and she's trying to move cars, and no one is doing anything. Like, she can keep doing that. She could dance. She could do whatever. But the minute that a policeman walls on the scene and he puts his little flare out there, everybody moves. Why? Because he has been given delegated power. He's been given authority. From who? He's been given authority from the government. So you know this, that if that lady's out there doing like this, you can just disobey and there's no consequence. But if you disobey the policeman, the next thing you know is you're pulled over paying a ticket. Correct? So authority is delegated power, and you and I have been given that authority. I tried to continue with you that through Scripture, right, because of our unification with Christ, and I'm going to say that a lot today, because of our unification with Christ, there is something that no other being other than humans have on this earth. Look at this in John chapter 6, verse 38. It says this, Jesus is talking, and guys, this was all layered, last week. 
It's layered so you understand. Jesus says this, I have not come down to do my will, but to do the will of him, God, say God, God who sent me. I've not come down to do my will, Jesus said. I've come down with authority. I've had delegated power to me to do what the Father wants me. Okay? This is married to this, this concept in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. It says, once me and you, once we were dead in sin because of our disobedience and our many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. This is deep, deep, deep stuff right here. Okay? You want to know why there's discord in our world? There you go. He's at work through what? Lies. Okay? All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature or of our flesh. So what I want you to know is, yes, there is a bit of a marriage between what the enemy likes to do with temptation and your just simple, inherent nature to do the wrong thing. There is a marriage between that. Okay? By our own very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when, watch, he raised Christ from the dead because it's only by grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. I have been preaching this since Easter, and I will continue to preach this till, for the day I die. Because to me, it is the most important concept in all of Christianity. We are united, and from that unification, we have received power. Look at this next verse in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set, set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. The right hand of God means this, one word, authority, and you... You are seated with Christ there. This is not me making this up. This is just straight scripture. So you have to layer this and you have to understand where that authority comes from. Our authority comes from the union with Jesus. And what I said last week is number one, there's some of you in here that um, you understand that you have it, but you don't use your authority. Number two is that you're not familiar enough with these promises that you can speak out to actually push back the works of the enemy. There's, there's many of you. I would say the majority, frankly. The majority of us are not familiar enough with the promises of Scripture. We're not equipped enough. We have it here, but we're hoping that pastor is going to say enough passages that we can grab on and, then, and we'll get, grab on his coattails for authority. No way. You can't have mine. I, I say that with tongue in cheek, but I mean it. My authority has nothing to do with yours. I'm a covering for you as a shepherd, but you have every ability to walk out in the same authority I do. Okay, guys. Number three is that some of us with this are just timid. We're timid to lift our voices. And I kind of worked through this because I realized, like, man, I sounded kind of crass and kind of like, I don't know, dismissive last week. I understand that some of us are timid, but, but I, I want you to know that what I'm proposing here, what I'm showing you in Scripture, the truth of this, it has to be activated in you. Like you, you, 
You may be timid right now, but, but if tomorrow morning when you're brushing your teeth and the thought that says, I'm not good enough, enters your mind, that's the enemy. You have in that moment right there to speak out of your mouth of who you are in Jesus to push back the enemy. Like, no one's around. You can do that right there in the mirror. If any man in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I don't obey you or listen to you, Satan. Again, Satan doesn't know your thoughts. We have to speak. We have to speak. Your mouth wages war. Colossians 1.16, more on him. Right? For in him, this is for, um, for in God, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. That is comprehensive of every being, including heavenly beings that are unseen. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. <laughs> I guess God's kind of powerful is what that's saying right there. But on top of that, what that means is this, is that, as I've said now three times, because Satan doesn't know our thoughts, he only knows when you speak it out. And you've got to have that authority out front and center for you. Remember, in the New Testament, guys, I said something kind of in the closing last week. Never once, not one single solitary time, in the New Testament, after Jesus, after we became united with him, not one time, was there a group of people praying to God for God to handle the, the devil or his demonic forces? In every single situation, whether in the epistles or in the book of Acts, we see that there is, that there is a man or woman of faith that speaks out with the authority that they've been given. You wage war for you. You hear me, guys, today? You've got to own it, though. Okay, and so this is where I'm going today. We've actually got to own this truth. It's got to be, it's got to be more than head knowledge. It's got to be part of your heart. It's got to be something, listen, it's got to be something that steers the ships, your ship, these promises, your authority, your position. There's too much in our heads. We actually have to move on this. Actually, look at the person next to you and say this. You've got to own it. Now look at the other person and say, you've got to own it. You've got to own it. Right? Owned, owned authority is powerful. I, I was just racking my brain how I could ha- um, think through this. It, I, I, can, I can give it this way, and mom and dad, you guys probably, and Kel, you could probably speak to this. When I was 16, 17 years old, I started in ministry at 17. And... Um, Man, I had a big mouth back then, right? And uh, I think, I, I don't know if I've matured. But anyway, um, there was a guy in the church that I was going to. And he was the closest thing to me that I knew of like John the Baptist. And he just wild hair. And he just did not care about what he, he just, and he was big and he was burly. His name was Todd Kozakowski. And for some reason, we had this weird Weird thing that when I saw him as a 17-year-old, and he was much, much bigger than me, right? Every single time, I'm talking every time at church, we would just wrestle. 
And every time he would kick my butt. I mean, 100% of the time. But it was so funny, Kelly, you know this is true, right? We would see each other, and in the foyer, he would just put me in a headlock, and then I would go, ah, and then he would let me go, and he would laugh. And you know what the next thing I would say out of my mouth was? Next time, I'm going to kick your butt. <laughs> right? And so then we would see each other, and before service, I would just look at him. I'd go, right? And I would kind of have this braggadocious air to me, even though I had no ability to beat this guy. Not only was he a wrestler before that, but he weighed much more than me. He knew what he was doing, but I was, look, look, I was putting out authority that I didn't have, right? And it was kind of funny and fun until it hurt, right? But I want to make the point of that. Pressure will prove if you have authority. Wait. Pastor, you said we do have authority. You do. But do you own it? Like it's available to you. Not only through scripture, not only through your position in Jesus Christ. But some of you kind of walk around with this super spiritual kind of mask on. And then when pressure hits, all of a sudden you fade away. We are really good at, at Christians like that. Having a bunch of hot air. No, you, you've got to own your authority. So let me show you this out of John chapter 14. There's 13 and 14 because this gets thrown around a lot. And I, Jesus, and I will do whatever, whatever. No caveats, no like different versions. I try to find a different, no. Whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for me Anything, Jesus, in Jesus' name, and I will do it. Woohoo! Do you own it? Because there's teaching that you can just pff, blow. There's books on in Jesus' name. Today I'm going to preach on it. In Jesus' name is not a magic word. In fact, I just want to say this, that I think a prayer given by a saint that is in Jesus and understands his, his authority, every prayer that's done in Christ is in Jesus' name. <gasps> oh, pastor, wait, wait, I don't like that. No, no, you may not like that, but I want you to know this, that in Jesus' name is more than simply adding a phrase at the back end of your prayer, in Jesus' name, amen. We do it in our house. All the time. I've had few of you come up to me go, Pastor, you did not say in Jesus' name. There wasn't. And I, I just want to go, what are you talking about? In Jesus' name is not um, open sesame. It's not. Okay? I can't say right now, watch, sincerely, I can't say, Lord, I ask you today, in Jesus' name, for there to be an 80-inch screen television playing the NBA playoffs with absolute silence when I get home. I can't say that. Now, I'm being facetious, but what I'm telling you is, I want that to happen. Please make that happen, right? <laughs> but, but in Jesus' name, that doesn't... That's not a... Do you understand what I'm saying, guys? 
We have, to, we have to know what we're doing. I may want that, but that doesn't really change anything. When we say, in Jesus' name, when a Christian says, in Jesus' name, it means that he is declaring into the heavenlies that authority is needed for God's glory. I'm going to say it again so that you get it. When we say, in Jesus' name, it means that we're declaring something in the heavenlies that is in need of God's authority that he has given you. Okay? I got a little illustration for this. Play it. Don't you miss good music? Katy Perry got nothing on Diana Ross. Anyway, the song is what? Stop in the name of love. Why is she saying that? Uh, My thought is this. She's saying that because her own authority is not enough. So whoever she's talking about, about thinking on it over, She's saying, stop in the name of something that we have. So stop in the, in the highest name of that I can think of in that moment. So when you and I say something in the name of Jesus, I want you to know you are, you are calling on heaven for that. It's not a catchphrase. There is great power in the name of Jesus. There is great authority in the name of your and my Savior. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. This is so, so giant. It says this. Salvation is found in no one else. Not your good works. Not your money. Not your um, humanitarian acts. Salvation is found only what? In Jesus. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus is powerful for your and I's salvation. It is not a tagline. Okay? 1 Timothy chapter 2 says this, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and watch, one mediator, someone that, that, that goes between two people, between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And of course, my favorite passage in all of Scripture, Romans chapter 6, it says this, Or you, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, union with Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father we too may live a new life for if we have been united with him in a death like his we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection follow me keep right here for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might not be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin now if we died with Christ we believe that we also will live with him this burns in your pastor more than anything in the world right here because the problem is is still still to this very day so many of you know this but are not conscious of it and then you don't own this and then in when problems come you go in the name of jesus 
What? You have been given authority by your union with Jesus. What if I prayed in my name? In the name of Justin. Duh. That would not work. No heavenly being is going to, oh, well, he prayed in his name. Because I got no authority. By the way, I want to make sure that you get this. I don't care what your education level is. I don't care um, what your, your strength is currently or what your personality is. The authority given to you by Jesus, watch guys, is the same no matter how long you've been in, in, in the Lord. Well, that's not fair. This is not a, it's not a game. So a couple nights ago, Link and I are going to bed. He's talking to me about a bad dream. And just, this guy's mind is so interesting, man. He just, he kind of, I can see him putting it together. I said, son, if, if you have a thought that isn't good, that's a lie, you say this out loud. In the name of Jesus, thought, leave my mind. I love Jesus with all, I thought I'd make it easy. I love Jesus with all my heart. I, I, I told him, that six-year-old, watch, has the same authority as this 40-year-old. Because guess what, guys? It's not about um, who, you, who you are, right? It is about who you are. I'm sorry. It is about who you are in Christ, not your longevity, okay? You don't have a dime of authority on your own to stand up against the enemy. Let me show you this. Everybody tracking today? Everybody good? Okay. We know what we read earlier out of John chapter 6, verse 38 is watch. That Jesus came to earth with a mission. I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Watch how I put this together. God. Jesus comes to earth to do the will of the Father. Then Jesus in John 15, before he dies, says this right here. Remain in me. Okay, watch this authority, authority switch. God, boom, gives authority to Jesus to come to earth. And then Jesus, boom, gives authority to me and you. Remain in me, and also I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you do nothing. Authority, God, to Jesus. All authority. He has all authority when he's on, on earth. And then Jesus goes, here, apart from me though, you got nothing. This is really cool. This is the reason why, Chris, man, your sermon a couple weeks ago was, it was cool. It was a real check for me, man, about the press and about the garden. Look at this in Luke 22, right? So then, this is so interesting. If Jesus has all authority from the Father, yet has come down to do the will of the Father, this is something that you and I need to take as a model for a second. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond him. This is in the garden. Knelt down and prayed, Father, 
Jesus praying to the Father, asking, because he came down to do the will of the Father, asked the Father, hey, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Right then and there, there's this, there's this huge concept that we're missing. And the concept is this, is that Jesus has been given all authority, but yet he is still saying, hey, I don't absolutely love what's about to happen, but I will do your will. Do you see the power in him asking for that? Meaning this, sometimes, and I'm just, I'm hoping that you see the bridge. Sometimes we're asking in Jesus' name something that has nothing to do with the will of the Father. Remember, Father, authority to, to Jesus. Jesus, authority to us. And then we're going to ask out, in the name of Jesus, a new car. <sighs> what? Mercedes Royal Blue with 18s bouncing. No. No. You can't in Jesus' name that. Sometimes, sometimes, you've got to actually know what the will of the Father is. At least that's what Jesus did here. Sometimes you've got to pause there. So when we pray in Jesus' name, that authority, it must be congruent with what what Jesus would pray. By the way, the lightness, the kind of, mm, this is just personal for a second, the lightness in the world right now on prayer, it's driving me insane. I don't mean this to be mean. Hey man, will you just pray for me? Hey, prayer's up, bro. Our prayers and thoughts are with you. Dude, that drives me crazy. Do you know what I am doing when I pray? I am calling on Almighty God to work in the favor for you. I am interceding for you. Please don't give me, hey, our thoughts and thoughts and prayers are so different. Please don't put that together. Hey, this person died. Our thoughts and prayers. Anytime I see that, I just want to, Because my prayers are powerful because I am praying, honestly, in Jesus' name and speaking my authority into the heavenlies that cannot be seen. So when you ask me for, to pray for you and I put you on my list at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm not praying like this. Oh, will you just bless Stephanie and God, would you just make Mike? I am, in, I am calling on God for you. You understand what you hold there. And if it's according to his will, if it's congruent with his will, what the Bible says over and over and over again is that you will have it. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45 shows this really quick. This is David and Goliath at the heat of the battle, right? When all the people said, no, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to go out and fight this guy. And what does David say? David said to the Philistine, to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. Woo! You could have a nuke. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because I come at you in the name of the Lord, meaning this right here, that the rest of the group saw Goliath in proportion to who they were, and they got freaked out. And David saw Goliath in proportion, watch, to who his God was. And he kicked his tail all over the place. That is the power that you hold. Now, you, you should say amen. You should. I want you to. Go, amen. amen. Gosh. Well, dang, man. I feel it's good. Right? 
David could say what he said because he was confident in the outcome of the battle. He could say what he said, right? Because he was confident in the name of the Lord that he represented. He was coming with an intentional mindset of warfare. And what we're doing here on Thursday nights and what your pastor is doing for you and what I'm imploring you to do is actually war in the spirit. War in what you can't see with the authority that you've been given. David has full confidence that what he's praying here, what he's about to do, is 100% in the will of the Lord. Can you imagine walking like that? To pray in Jesus' name, guys, is to speak with his authority, okay, for something that he is about for his glory. That 80-inch TV has nothing to do with God's glory. It doesn't. It has a lot to do with my relaxation. <laughs> My favorite one is this, and, and again, it's, it's not to dog anyone, but Pastor, will you, will, you, will you pray God's favor over our relationship? And I just, I'm not being mean, I just, I just want to say this. Please, guys. You can't have premarital sex in Jesus' name. Pray for us to have favor and unity. I'm sorry. You can't pray to have financial blessing when, in Jesus' name, when you skip on your taxes. You can't pray for unity within your marriage when you throw your wife under the bus in front of people in Jesus' name. Don't. We, 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 we get confused here. We, we, we think we, 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 we're trying to humanize this rather than understand. In Jesus' name is not, as I've said, a magic word that dissipates everything into thin air. Yet in my home, and I don't know if this has ever happened for some of you dads or moms or husbands or wives, in the middle of in the day, you're like, there is just, there's something that I can't understand. She's confused. There's something, there's something weird in here. And I have grabbed the family and said, in Jesus' name, I cast down any spirit that is coming against my family and speaking lies of confusion and discord. In the name of Jesus, you have no place here. I command you to go. Is that too much for some of you? Like, that's, I speak that, and that demon force, whatever has come in, whatever, however has come in. Maybe it's something that we watched on TV that we bought into. That's a lie. Maybe it's, maybe it's an offense. What I don't know how. I can't, I can't really theorize that. I can just say that sometimes there is, and you as a father, you as a mother, you as a woman of God or man of God have authority to go, in Jesus' name I speak against that. Satan, you have no rule and no power here. You must go now. I know it's weird for some of you. By the way, I know that this is not pretty and this is not clean and this is not practical. Some of you get really like weirded out by this. And the reason why you're constantly under attack, I believe, is because you're not, you're not, it's not buying into me. It's the word of God. 
So if you believe the word of God that by grace you've been saved, then you've got to believe the word of God that says this, that you have been given all authority over any unseen force. You've got to believe both. We have to teach the whole Bible. It would be much easier if I didn't teach this, but it would be hurting you. Yeah, you would. Some of you are looking at, this guy's a kook. No, what I am is understanding who I am in Jesus. Okay? Have you ever felt, maybe, maybe I'm just, I don't know, but have you ever felt like out of control in your thoughts? That's the enemy. You're driving down the road and you're just believing a lie. Right there, right now, in the name of Jesus, I cast this thought down and put it under my feet. In my mind, I will take and put into, into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Have any of you ever just been driving and just felt compelled, truly compelled to sin? And after it, you're like, why did I do that? How did that happen? I love my, I love my family. What's that? You missed your authority. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, right? Len talked a little bit of this. We demolish arguments, every lie, every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, against who you are in Jesus. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love it. This is scripture. This is not pastor. In the name of Jesus, I cast that down. I get it out of my life. And by the way, socially, it's kind of awkward. Hey, family, come here. We're in the middle of a Saturday at the pool. It, that's awkward. Well, what's the matter with you, Dad? What's the matter with me is that we're trending this way. And if we don't stop this right here, watch, watch. It's going to cause damage in relationships, which then then lead into insecurity, which then lead into more sin, which then lead into different thoughts. And then all of a sudden you look back, you're like, wow, I cannot wait to get to church because I am super far away. It all could have been stopped right at the head, man. This is your authority. This is the right you have. But listen, you, 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 JJ, you, Joey, right? Everyone in this room, you have a responsibility to remain in that authority. That's a deep thought there. You got a responsibility to remain there constantly. Okay? I'm gonna show you something that just like rocked me outside of. I, I told you guys, I told Nick this is gonna be a long message today. Everybody still good for a few more minutes? You guys are not gonna believe this out of Acts chapter 19. It's crazy. Okay? Acts 19, this is when Paul is in Ephesus. He stays there two years. If you don't know about Ephesus, it's a joke. It is the center of disgustingness, if that's even a word. It is the center of everything bad. Literally, um, um, satanic worship was, you know, we got the Temple of Diana, one of the whatever wonders of the ancient world. Diana's the goddess of sex. I mean, Ephesus was ridiculous. They used to give people papers with seances and spells, and they would wear it on their, like, their necklaces so that they could, they could access spells into the spirit world. This is all in Ephesus, right? And Paul goes there for two years, okay? 
And there's this event that happens where Paul starts to grow in authority. He grows in power there. People start to get saved. This is where we see Paul having the handkerchief. Some of you remember that, the anointed handkerchief, which is another topic altogether, right? And so he's going through this, and I want you to see this in in Acts chapter 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spells (laughs) tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. Seven dudes. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. What happened? They said name of Jesus. They didn't own it. They didn't own it. What I want you to know, what I want you to understand so much is that in the name of Jesus is not to be taken lightly. Is that, is that made, you guys got that for today. That, if you walk out of here, right? But, but I, I want you to see, these dudes got a butt whooping for fooling around. You, by yourself, will get destroyed by the enemy. You, with Jesus' authority, will destroy the enemy. It is not something, boop, the pastor preached on authority. I got it. No. You got to get it. So that's the first point of this that rocked me. But the second point of this that just I have never seen in all of my years of study is this is verse 15. Go to it, if you will. The evil spirit answered them. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know about. Who are you? When I read this this week, I mean, Kay, Chris, I was like, oh my gosh. Well, what's oh my gosh? The Bible talks about all the time that that the name of Jesus is known by um, demons and they tremble. It talks about that, I think, three or four times in Scripture. But you know what I saw here? (laughs) Who's the second name they mentioned? Paul who was sold out, walking around without a thing on his back, causing havoc in the gates of hell. In the gates of hell, people, those, those demon forces are going, this Paul dude is the real deal. Guess what? You can be too. Can you imagine right now what they think about you in, the, in hell? I'm sure, I'm sure Satan's going, oh, yeah, well, there's... The, Send him out. We only need to send one here, buddy. But I got to tell you, I hope when they get to Justin Heggie, I hope they go, crap. I do. I hope that when they get to my name, just like Paul's, he goes, we heard of this dude. This dude right here carries more authority in his finger than many do. I hope when they look at me, they realize that it's because I'm activating, I'm exercising the authority that Jesus has given me. I'm moving in a different way, not because I'm any more powerful than you, but because I believe it and I own it. I know who I am in Jesus Christ, and I will smash anybody that comes against me. 
So this is where Justin grew up going, man, I hate preachers that do this stuff. <laughs> I did, man. And I think it's because we make it a joke. Your name is known in the heavens and in hell. That's what it says here. Are you a pushover or are you operating in authority? Okay. Let me close with this so that everyone knows. And then we're going to take communion today. Every, I wrote it down. Everything I've said today is complete garbage and nonsense until you truly grasp being in Christ. That's what I wrote down. I, I, I think I struggle sometimes to explain this, even though I'm trying. Because what I feel is that many in this room, and I, I, I mean no offense to you, I, rem- I feel that you look at God as a stick-on, as a sticker. And that is incredibly dangerous for your life. And it's also, by the way, incredibly easy for the enemy to attack you. Because a compromised believer is the most dangerous thing, I believe, to the body of Christ in 2020. Someone that is not understanding who they are in Jesus. I need to read this to close. It's a long read, so get comfortable. This is it. We're finishing. Paul, and uh, I'm going to skip to three. Sorry about that. No, no, keep going. Back one. Praise be to God and Father. This is 20 verses, so just chill with me here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption. We'll get to there one day. We're going to talk that one day. To sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace for which he has freely given us. Given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption. Through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. Stay with me. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the, will, with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were first to be put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Stay with me, guys. And you also were included in Christ, when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance into the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, this is what Paul is saying, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Watch this. I keep asking God that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. 
We sang a song earlier today. It was called Revelation Song. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Holy, holy is he. About midway through that song today, there was something that happened in the room where everyone had revelation to that song. It hit people. I could feel it. Could, maybe some of you could. What he's praying here is that you would have revelation of who you are. I pray that the eyes of what? Your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his uncomparably great power for us. I, I, I'm just going to stop. I, I got to... Paul, or you want to say Jay, is praying that you'll get revelation, that your eyes will be open. Because whether you're Dana or Luke Good, I have no question in my mind that you see who you are in Jesus. My question is, I don't believe that you're conscious of it. And when you're not conscious of who you are in Jesus at all times, then you don't experience the authority and the freedom of that. If you're not conscious all the time of your authority in Jesus, then you won't. It's the same as when I said with Todd Kozakowski, I could talk all day. I'm going to take you out. And then when I got there, I was like this. I just let him beat me down because I could talk it, but I wasn't even close to believing it. This is the issue in the church in 2020. This is the issue with you and me right now. We give way to the enemy because he, because we're not conscious of our authority. And so Mick and Esther and whoever's coming up, I want you guys to just play for a second. What I wrote down is that when we fail to consider ourselves as in Jesus, we continue to live in bondage. I'm going to say it again and I'm closing this. When we fail to see ourselves in Jesus Christ, like Paul's saying here, then we continue to live in bondage. And when you do, that authority is yours. Okay? I'm just going to have you bow your heads for a moment. We're going to take communion today. I messed this up in advance, I'm telling you. I, for those that want to get communion without touching um, any platter or anything, there's someone in the back to serve you. For those that want communion and don't mind if someone brings it to you, you do that. But I want everyone in this room, if you would, bow your heads. I want you just to think about this moment right now. And truly, if you have solidified in your conscious mind who you are. Us having an identity crisis is one of the, the problems of the church right now. When you sin, it doesn't make you not in Jesus. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. 
That is the concept of repentance to get back to square. You can do it 55,000 times a day. So the battle that some of you are going on is because, because you're making a mistake and you're going, well, I lost my... No, you didn't lose your authority. Sin separates from the moment until you say, Lord, would you forgive me? You're immediately restored. Your authority is. So I just want you to, right now, just consider as they sing just this verse and chorus and then we're going to serve communion. Communion.